Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, there were sparks and accusations as five candidates for the conservative leadership appeared at an unofficial debate. All we do is yell and scream at each other. We're witnessing it now. I actually like all these people on this table. They're on this dais as well. They're good folks. And here we are calling each other names. What Canadian is going to trust this lot? We've got to do better. Governor General Mary Simon will visit several remote northern Quebec communities, including her hometown. She's going to be meeting with local leaders and elders, and she's working to promote, um, you know, what her office says are her priorities of education, mental health, and uh, reconciliation. And there will be no consequences after the Conservative Party accused the Prime Minister of swearing in the House of Commons. The Chair listened again to the proceedings during question period and it must admit that with all the noise in the House, I was unable to determine what, had been may, may, or what may have been said. Under the circumstances, I can only ask member to observe the normal rules of debate and decorum in this House and to avoid disrespectful remarks. It's Friday, May the 6th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. We're joined by Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning, Mark. So for the first time during this leadership race, we saw five of the six candidates for the Conservative leadership sharing a stage and debating each other. And it was pretty interesting. And and there were some familiar themes that came to light, um, very similar to what the candidates have been saying about each other at their own events, but now saying it it to each other's faces, right? Yeah, it got it was a little a little personal sometimes, a, a little nasty. You know, I was just thinking about how we spoke last week about Preston Manning urging everyone to chill out a bit. Um, and so it was perhaps ironic, if not entirely surprising, that they were really at each other's throats at a conference for an organization he had founded. It's right. now called the Canada Strong and Free Network uh, Conference, but it's formerly the Manning Center, of course. And, you know, there was a, there was a moment now, I, I was watching on CPAC, actually, and I was not in the room, but unless I miss it, it seemed that Pierre Polyev and Jean Charest did not shake hands with each other despite shaking hands with everyone else, which I think is a, you know, it was noticed on social media. I think it's a sign of how they feel about each other. Um, so that, that was an interesting moment. And the two of them, of course, uh, were really focused uh, on each other quite a bit throughout the whole debate. Uh, the, you know, others got their jabs in. Um, Leslie Lewis really made some strong comments about Polyev. She said his support for the trucker convoy was not loud enough or early enough. So it's interesting to to see him under attack for that when, you know, Jean Chakai on the other side had sort of um, attacked him for supporting the trucker convoy in Ottawa. So that gives you a sense of just the, the range of views, I guess, um, in the party. But yeah, Polyev really dug in on the idea that Cheret, who was, of course, a former Quebec premier and premier of, you know, leader of the Quebec Liberal Party, is not a conservative. And Cheret shot back saying he's been a conservative all his life. He championed fiscal conservatism. He spoke about economic successes in Quebec, lowered income taxes, championed natural resource projects. Um, you know, and I, I think got a, got a little, got his, you know, Probably I mean, we got under his skin a little bit. You know, I fought and won against the separatists, he said. It's not this guy who's going to intimidate me. He sort of accused Polyev at one point is treating this debate like a 
went on student council, um, hmm. you know, and he pointed out also that, uh, you know, to the lack of seats in Quebec for the Conservatives, the greater Toronto area, as well as BC's lower mainland, is areas where they're, where, where they're a little weak, and he, he sort of pointed to some, you know, what some I think would think is a, a misstep from the 2015 campaign, calling back to that, uh, you know, barbaric cultural practices hotline that many in the party have sort of come out against and saying, saying was a mistake. Um, but you know, Polyev went after him on Huawei and his work for there. And there was just a, there was a lot of a lot of crosstalk. And I, you know, at one point it was interesting where, you know, Ontario MP Scott Aitchison um, maybe seemed to have heard Manning's message. He came out and said, "All we do is yell and scream at each other." Um, he said that's an issue if the party wants to be competitive with more Canadians in the next election. So yeah, it got it got quite uh, quite heated at points. And you know, like with many of these debates, sometimes hard to follow, but I, I think uh, what you said is right, that a lot of the messaging is something that we've seen on the campaign trail, but I think it really showed um, when they were right in the room with each other um, and still talk to each other that way, I think it showed just how divisive it's become. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point because there are there are leadership races where uh, there is is robust debate and there are people challenging each other on their opinions and records but it's still respectful, and there's a sense that whoever wins, all the other candidates are going to line up behind them and help help them win the next election. Um, but it doesn't feel at this point in this race like that's what's going on here. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, it's hard to predict the future and anything's possible, but it doesn't feel like uh, Jean Charest and Pierre Poilievre are are in the same party even in a way they're they're fighting for the future of the party as well as for the leadership right i th- i think you're right and i think uh i was having the same thoughts that it, it you could really see for the first time in a long time i think those just how big a tent the conservative party is trying to be and it maybe is fraying at the seams a little um but you I mean Power also brings unity, right? So we saw that under Harper. He was able to keep keep that party uh, together and united uh, for a very long time. Um, and so I think depending on who wins this thing and, and with the t- steps they take afterwards to heal divisions and whatnot and the direction they're going to take in the party uh, in, then, then we'll see it. You know, it, it may hold just fine. But, but you are right. There is a lot of division there, and this is not just about who's going to be the face on the campaign posters and the campaign signs next time. It really is truly about which direction the party is going to head, I think. Yeah. All right. Let's turn to a a planned trip for uh, Governor General Mary Simon. And this is uh, kind of a historic trip. Of course, Mary Simon is the first Indigenous Governor General, and she's going to be visiting a number of remote northern communities in Quebec in um, uh, Nunavik, and included in that will be her own hometown. And um, I'm sure this will be a special trip for Mary Simon and for the people she will be visiting there as the first Indigenous Governor General. That's right. This is this is the Inuit homeland in northern Quebec, Nunavik, and it's also her own homeland. And it's the first time she's going to visit the region since she became the first Indigenous person to be the Queen's representative in Canada. The five-day tour of Nunavik, it includes visits to schools, community gatherings, stops at two national parks. She 
she's going to be meeting with local leaders and elders, and she's working to promote, um, you know, what her office says are her priorities of education, mental health, and uh, reconciliation. So she's visiting treatment centers, um, a project where they're working to restore the original Nuktuk names to maps. Um, and she'll be seeing women making amaudis, which are special, really cool coats you can use to carry a baby on your back. Um, they're really beautiful. But she'll also be going to Kenjiksualujuak. Uh, she was born near there at a Hudson's Bay Company post in 1947. Um, and she's going to be spending quite a bit of time as well in Kujuak, where she went to school. Now, there, the school, um, where she went to school plays sort of a a role in some of the controversies surrounding her appointment as Governor General. There was quite uh, some strong reaction, if you remember, to her appointment from Quebec, because she does not speak French. She is bilingual in English and in Nuktuk, but not in French. Um, and she has said, you know, that she attended a federal government day school as a child in Kujuak, where she was prevented from speaking her mother tongue in Nuktuk, that she has said that she was also there denied the chance at those that school to learn French. So she is taking lessons, um, but we got uh, some appraisal yesterday uh, on how that's going from Quebec Premier Francois Legault. He met her yesterday for the first time um, since she became Governor General and says she still has some work to do. Um, he, of course, uh, has opinions about whether or not there should be a governor general at all. He said that he'd like to see the, that role abolished. Um, they met with her out of courtesy. Um, but he did sort of add that, you know, her appointment uh, and her identity as Nunuk woman um, is a positive message regarding Canada's desire to mend its relationship with Indigenous peoples and, and noted that she did begin the meeting with some sentences in French, but still has work to do there. Mm. All right. We'll watch that uh, that trip as it unfolds. Uh, finally, uh, you know, it's the end of a, of another week uh, in Canadian politics, and th- there was some scrutiny on the language that the Prime Minister used, allegedly used, in the House of Commons this week, and um, it, it appears nothing's going to come of that. Uh, there will be no consequences after this accusation. I, the, the Speaker said that he didn't hear it. Um, others have said they didn't hear it. The Prime Minister made a funny remark about it the other day that he, he kind of evoked memories of what his father had said, the first Prime Minister Trudeau, when he was accused of using bad language and and said that he had said fuddle-duddle, of course, a very famous quote from Pierre Trudeau, um, so we're not going to see anything more come of this, presumably. No, and, and what's sort of interesting about the alleged fuddle-duddle, or what the Conservatives said was not a fuddle-duddle, um, was something stronger, was it happened during a question period where things were so unruly and so raucous that no one could hear questions, answers, or or the Speaker, Deputy Speaker Chris Dantremont himself. So I find it interesting that his ruling was essentially that he can't make a ruling because things were just so generally awful um, that he couldn't hear anything one way or the other. So uh, he told them all to calm down, um, says, you know, it's nice outside. If you feel yourself getting a little a little wound up, maybe go for a walk. <laughs> all right. Great stuff, Joanna. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. This government will never back down on defending and promoting women's rights in Canada and around the world. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At CBC.ca, Aaron Huery argues the fate of Roe v. Wade. 
puts both liberals and conservatives on the spot, where he writes, Even if no major federal party is officially in favor of criminalizing abortion, the practical and political realities of abortion in Canada are far more complicated than a simple question of whether the debate needs to be reopened. And if the United States Supreme Court is about to overturn the precedent of Roe v. Wade, there will be new pressure on both the conservatives and the liberal government to reckon with their own positions. In the conversation, Max Fawcett considers how Roe v. Wade could change the conservative leadership race. Fawcett writes, Pierre Poilievre's relative silence and the directive by Candace Bergen that conservatives will not be commenting on draft rulings leaked from the Supreme Court of the United States practically invites mockery, given the party's usual stance on free speech. Poilievre surely understands that if he doesn't win the leadership on the first ballot, his path to victory has to include bringing avowed anti-abortion candidate Leslin Lewis's supporters over to his side. He's stuck trying to walk a fine line in which he avoids creating controversy among pro-choice voters while not alienating the anti-abortion voters he might need to win the leadership of his party. At National News Watch, Muharram Kianyev asks if Pierre Poiliev is failing to understand lessons from history on private currencies. Kianyev writes, Poiliev says allowing the Bank of Canada to issue a central bank digital currency would lead to a nationalization of our bank deposits and provide unfair competition against cryptocurrency providers. He would like us to think that leaving this market in private hands will bring more stability. But if history is a guide, our reliance on these private currencies will bring us a repeat of some very painful lessons we have learned in the past. Rather than obliging the Bank of Canada to remain static, the better approach may be to let it move forward and join the global evolution in payment mechanisms. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in the Toronto and Hamilton areas to meet with families who have resettled from Afghanistan. Government officials will speak with the media to provide an update on COVID-19. In Winnipeg, Mental Health Minister Carolyn Bennett will make a funding announcement supporting mental health promotion. Minister of Official Languages Jeanette Pettipa-Taylor will make an announcement in Moncton, New Brunswick about support for digital transformation projects with academic institutions. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette will visit Ile-de-la-Madeleine, Quebec. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, May the 6th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.